On this episode of Movies in My Life, it's the first part in our four parts. Can I help you? We're trying to record a podcast. It started like any other episode, with a promise of a fun conversation. But what these four normal panelists didn't know is that their laughter would soon turn to terror. And now, no warning can prepare them, and nothing can protect them, for when they hit record on... Slasher Fest. Sugar Rush God. We ready to go? Mm-hmm. Do it. <laughs> Alright, so this is Jesse. Hello. That's East. Good evening. <laughs> and this is Trevor. Howdy. I'm Brandon. And this is our Slasher Fest, episode one of our four-part podcast uh, love letter to mm-hmm. the Slasher film. Now, we've been lucky enough to kidnap Trevor from TerrorInToronto.com. Thank you for coming, my friend. Glad it's to be great here. great to meet you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful that you took the day off from Toronto After Dark to come here and hang out with us instead, because I know that you're covering that right now. Yeah, I made sure that uh, I, I watched uh, screeners instead of showing up today. I, I have to cover the whole thing. That works. So, yeah. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. I've been bugging you for a while. It seems like I've been emailing you for months to get on, so I really, really appreciate it. Um, tell us a little bit about Terra in Toronto before we get started. If, if anyone hasn't visited the website, um, I found you through Twitter a few years ago, and... Uh, and your site became my go-to stop. I have a thing where I like to watch horror films, particularly when I'm sick. So whenever I'm home from work in the day, I literally got your site bookmarked, and, and it's one of the ones that I usually go to first, see what's going on in the city, and also look for, through your reviews and whatnot. Yeah, well, I, I, a few years ago, I was trying to... You know, I sort of came. I used to live in Ottawa, and I came to Toronto, and I was sort of trying to find out what was going on in the scene, and sort of trying to find some stuff to do because uh, uh, there was. I knew that there was a lot going on, but figuring out where all the screenings were going on and it were were next to impossible because there's so much that goes on in the city. Absolutely. Um, so I just like, where is there a website that lists all of them? And I looked and looked and looked and never found it. So I'm like, all right, screw it. I'll, I'll make one myself. <laughs> and hopefully other people will like it. And uh, I didn't intend on doing it for very long. But, uh, you know, I, I keep getting emails and, and uh, uh, different festivals and different people re- started reaching out to me. to, to uh, They appreciated the work that I was doing. So I just have kept doing it. And, and uh, it's fun. I, you know, I use the website as much as other people do when I, like I, I forget, right. You know, I enter in, you know, dozens and dozens of events, you know, there's like, uh, about 20 different websites that I'll check on a weekly or biweekly basis to just make sure I'm up to date. And then, uh, when I feel like going out, I'll just check my own website and see, oh, okay, tonight yeah. at the Royal, there's a, a double, uh, screening of phantasm and phantasm ravager. Perfect. I'm going to go out. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny that you mention that because that's – it's literally I, – I exactly use it the same way. Literally, um, I get so frustrated. For example, I don't know if you guys have been on the TIFF website lately. Oh, Look, hell yeah. It's brutal. Oh, absolute I, worst. You know, no <laughs> – They go out of their way every year to make it harder, harder to, to use than the last year. It's yeah. just – 
<laughs> but it's so much easier. Well, they, they instituted a new website a couple weeks before the festival dropped, mm-hmm. and it was completely broken. I know. I love TIFF. Don't get me wrong. Tiff. Oh, no. I oh, love you guys. We all love TIFF. But, but yeah, sort your website out, guys. Oh. <laughs> Just drop my donut. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you for coming. I uh, really appreciate it. And there couldn't be a better episode that we could ask you to be on. So, uh, yeah, really cool to have you here. Now, I usually like to start these shows with a first and favorite. Um, I'm going to do it a little bit different today, though, in that I'd like to do a first slasher film. And favorite kill in a slasher film. And I haven't thought about it myself, so while you guys are doing yours, <laughs> I'm going to mull it over. <laughs> but uh, who wants to kick us off? There's a lot of great ones. I can do first, but I'm going to have to think about favorite. That's, yeah. that's a tough one. Uh, first one was the original Friday the 13th. It was at a uh, friend's birthday party, and we rented a bunch of horror films. And I just didn't know that Jason wasn't in it. I was, the entire movie, I'm waiting, okay, when's Jason going to pop up? Because I knew of Jason. But mm. uh, yeah, then at the end, I was like, well... well is that the same Friday the 13th? I, I enjoyed it, but I, was, I felt let down that I did not see the, the hockey mask killer. But uh, all in all, it was an enjoyable film. Right on. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say for myself, the first horror film, slasher, that I ever saw. Uh, which one was the Jason with Corey Feldman? Is that four? I think that might be six. Is Jason it? Lives. Is it Jason Lives? Well, that's the, is that the one when he so comes back the... and he's got the ad- and he, there's okay. the adult him. So it was five. Okay, I know he's in two. Of no, them, five so. is the one that he isn't the killer, isn't it? Yeah, five is the one he's not the killer. Yeah, we're doing well so far. Oh yeah. yeah we're anyway, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. It was it was one of the Corey Feldman Jasons. Sure. It I might would, be the final chapter. I think you might have been right off okay. the jump, and we fucked you. Like, no, I'm pretty sure he's in the final chapter. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. <laughs> Anywho. Um, uh, yeah, so I was like, I was young. I was like maybe six, and it fucked me up. Uh, favorite kill? Trevor, I'm passing it to you, buddy. I got to think. <laughs> All right, well... I'm not sure if it really belongs on the list, but I would say, I mean, technically it's a slasher, although I don't feel like it really fits the mold as a Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Oh, yeah. By far, that was the first. uh, I'm not sure if it was the first horror film I've seen because my mother was really into horror films, so she had shown me. You know, like Salem's Lot and sort of like scary stuff that was like TV based, but not anything as, as graphic as a Nightmare on Elm Street. So that in regards to favorite kill, um, I think the, I, I forget which one, because as we were saying, it's, it's really hard to keep track of all the Friday the 13th. Uh, but there's a scene in, in one of the, the, the films in the middle where Jason grabs some people that are inside of a sleeping bag and slams them up against a tree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that, that is that was, amazing. That was, um, that was Freddy versus Jason. No, well, he, they might have done that too, but definitely yeah, in, 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 in like like is another one of that in like between four or seven. He probably did seven. it a couple times. That's yeah. like a standard. That's a, yeah, something, so it sounds like something yeah. you do. I remember the first time seeing that, just my my jaw dropping out of the floor. I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> yeah. this is awesome! All right, so my first one is actually one that I guess we'll probably touch on today because it's technically kind of like a proto slasher. Mm. Uh, first one that i ever saw was black christmas my mom mm. loves that film and uh it's like in my blood to love that film it's still to this day one of my favorites uh and uh yeah that that was 
the first one. I remember seeing that very young. And uh, favorite kill, I feel like I should go with with uh, like a big kill, like you know the the Halloween stick them to the fucking wall or something like that. But I really like that one uh, uh, in the Prowler where he puts the knife through the guy's head, like oh, through the yeah. top of his head, and it comes out the bottom of his. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm on the spot. I'm not even thinking Prowler. That was a great. One. Oh, and you see the knife in his mouth. Yeah, and it comes yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Oh fuck! That was really well done. That was cool. Yeah, what a good kill. I think uh, I think I got a favorite one. I just right. remembered uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, uh, the Dream Warriors, as it was called. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, Best it's one. when the guy's in a dream and he basically takes his tendons out and uses him as a marionette. <sighs> so good, and walks him <laughs> off the building, and you see like Freddy like. Over him, like puppeteering him off the off the balcony, and uh, that one was pretty pretty. Yeah, cool. and then he uses his uh, knife to to snip, to slip, snip it, and make <laughs> him fall. Yeah, 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 it's so good. Yeah, all the Nightmare Elm Street's got creative kills in them. Yeah, they're, they're the best. Yeah, uh, the the one that's coming to my mind right now is um, Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. When uh, that one guy, when he like falls on the spikes, he was like supposed to be the main hero dude, and then he dies halfway <laughs> through the movie, and he falls down, and they're just holding him, and you just see all like the. Blood just squirting out of his chest, but it was just because he fell on all the mm. spikes. That was a that always kind of messed good. me up. I have another one actually. I just remembered. Keep <laughs> <laughs> <Even> coming. <laughs> in Maniac, when uh, Tom Savini he, he, gets, yeah. he gets shot in the face with a shotgun, he shoots himself. He shoots in the himself face. in the yeah, face yeah. with a shotgun, technically, and that is, <laughs> you know, when you when it comes to blowing heads off with shotguns, that's up up there, probably with like Dawn of the Dead, the opening scene there. That's yeah, also him, one. also him as well. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about him quite a few times tonight. To explain what we're going to do today, we're basically going to talk a little bit about the precursor to the slasher movement, some of the films that came before that we really like, and geek out on those a bit uh, for a segment. And then we're going to take a little break, and we'll come back and get into Halloween, mm. the kind of quintessential first, you know, true culmination of all of the slasher movie tropes, if you will, per se. Mm-hmm. Cool? Yeah. Yep. Um. Now, and it's a hard conversation. East, you, you know, we just did the um, the po- the punk documentary miniseries mm-hmm. that we did recently, right? And that's a hard. It, it was hard to talk about a lot of those uh, episodes because, or those movies in those episodes, because after we'd finished the episodes, we'd be talking about them after, and, and there's like, so much more. Oh man, like we <laughs> didn't talk about this band or that band, and it's. I feel like having a conversation uh, even when we talked about like uh we talked a little bit about death and then we didn't get, have an opportunity to talk about other proto-punk bands mm-hmm. and uh and i feel like the same thing kind of applies to like proto slashers if you will um that we're, we're no matter how closely we get into it we're gonna miss a bunch because there was a great run of stuff in in the mid to late 70s oh yeah um but i guess a good point to start on would be Psycho. Yeah, Is that a good definitely. point to kick yeah. off? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's fair. That's yeah. the starter. It's interesting, obviously, the lineage that continues on from that film with, you know, uh, Janet Lee and then obviously mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween. So it's interesting to draw a little comparison to that. And obviously that was on the filmmaker's mind when they, uh, like particularly I think Deborah Hill knew that, right? When when she first looked at Jamie Lee. Yeah. But um, to get, we'll get to that. Um, I love Psycho. It's not my favorite Hitchcock, because we're going to do that one day soon, Jesse. Um, But it's right up there. It's Um, a great movie. Oh, yeah. Amazing film. And their sequels are really underrated. 
I, mean, I, I never actually seen any of these sequels. I keep seeing like the covers of them in VHS back in the day. I was like, really? never, never got to them. Trevor, have you seen the sequels? Uh, I used to watch part three a whole lot because yeah. my dad uh, was really into to uh, buying a whole bunch of tapes. He had a Betamax machine. That's sort of aging me a bit. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so, you know, when people were, th- th- video stores were selling off their inventory, he'd just buy boxes and boxes. Oh, yeah, man. Because you could, cause you and, could and, man. And, and, Dope. And, and, and uh, Psycho 3 was one of them. Nice. Uh, anything that was uh, sort of remotely scary, I'd just watch over and over again. Um, they're fun. They're yeah. fun. I like Psycho 2 a lot. And, and I, a 3 is pretty good, too. Like, uh they're underrated. I, th- I think a lot of people shit on them because the first is such a masterpiece. But well, you you compare other films like you look at Jaws and the sequels that it has. Yeah, <laughs> Psycho's okay. Yeah, Psycho's <laughs> okay. Yeah, well put. Those got pretty rough near the end there. Oh yeah, man. The one with Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> the um, I wanted to ask you, Jesse, about uh, Psycho. Uh, I love the pacing in the film, and a lot of it. Uh, for that era is very camera driven. Yeah, like well, putting cameras where the camera shouldn't be. It, it's like way up in the way up in like the top corner of the room, looking down. Like yeah, a weird angle that you're not used to seeing in a film. Sets so like an eerie tone. And one of my favorite shots that Tarantino ended up using in Pulp Fiction years later is when the guy that she stole the money from is walking in front of the car, and he looks over at her, and she just like speeds off, and it's just like. You get that tension that you're there with her, like mm-hmm. oh shit, like this is the like this is the guy that you just sold money from, so you gotta get the hell out of there. Yeah, your just, stomach gets yeah, like, it, sore almost. Watching, like it's it's yeah. such subtle stuff. He doesn't uh, obviously when it when it starts going with the shower scene and stuff. It's you know it's it's you know he had like seventy shots in a few like a minute there. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, very subtle stuff. But just putting cameras where you're not used to seeing camera angles and things like that, and really sets up the the mood for the film really. But what's also really beautiful about that shower scene, though, is uh, you don't, like, really... You don't... You see blood, but you don't really, like, see anything. Yeah. And that's what's so good about it, was the fact that, like, your mind is almost, like... It fills in the blanks. Yeah, right? And it was perfect, because he wasn't allowed to sh- to show it. Yeah. You know? And that uh, crazy thing about that scene is, she's the star of the film. Yeah. yeah. No one was expecting her to Die get in, killed in the yeah. first act. Like, that's... And I think they they set a rule that uh, if you're not in your seat when the movie started, you're not getting in. Like that was like back in the day, people would just come and go and through movies. But it's like back back in that movie it was like, okay, well, you don't want people coming in after Jan Lee's been killed, so you're in there, or you're not kind of deal. Yeah. Trevor, any thoughts on this one, sir? Uh, it's it's been a while since I, I I've looked at uh, Psycho. Um, it's interesting because. Um, no one had ever really seen anything like that before, and I'm surprised that such a, a wide audience really took to it, mm-hmm. considering that um, it, it was it was so new. I guess it was shocking, uh, something shocking was very exciting and titillating for everyone, uh, and it was like sort of like the movie that oh, have you seen it? You have to go and see it. Um, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's a shame that. Uh, more filmmakers at that time didn't uh, sort of take a mature approach to it, and then a lot of shortly after it, uh, especially a lot of Italian films, they, they 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 sort of took the formula and got really um, gory and graphic yeah, with it, and made yeah. it uh, solely for shock value, and sort of didn't. 
uh, write it very well and, and pay attention to much of the story. So I yeah, think and I'm not so- that familiar. They're giallo is what it's called, right? Well, there's some of, some of them, but like but there's a lot of slashers yeah. and like Suspiria and yeah. shit like that. Um, yeah, you're looking at uh, like. Off uh, Twitch of the Deaf Nerve, yeah. aka Bay of Blood, yeah, yeah, um, films like that where it, it's it's uh, very s- a very similar in structure, but no real story. It's just a matter of okay, there 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 there's some creepy guy hanging out, <laughs> staring at everyone, and then starts slashing and and showing the actual cutting and the actual blood squirting mm-hmm. everywhere with no real thought to any backstory about any of the characters whatsoever other mm. than they're just there. It's interesting. Um, two things that I wanted to jump on. One was the, uh, the not showing the blood and, and the, uh, the shower scene that you brought up, Easton. I love that uh, – I can't remember who said it, but I remember reading a quote about Halloween that it, uh, read it is basically the psycho shower scene spread out over an hour and a half. <laughs> you know, or over seven minutes. One way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys is um, uh, have you ever seen the film Peeping Tom? No, no. Uh, came out in 1960 as well. Kind of a uh, that was the one that was kind of coming around at the same time as Psycho. Yeah, n- not nearly as successful. <laughs> not anywhere near yeah. as successful. And that one is often overlooked as you know. Uh, it, I feel as though it equally kind of nails down some. I feel, um, and I think if I remember correctly, that the director ended up like. Taking a real that was his like downturn in life, if you will. Mm. Yeah, like it just ruined his career. And then, like twenty years later, it became like it became a big a thing. Classic, and now he's yeah. like, "Oh, well, I'm an old man now. I can't. Like, <laughs> my career's done. I can't make anything out of this." <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like the film because I like the idea of the the voyeur, and I like the idea of, say, for example, obviously the the killer POV shot has become a staple of slasher films and that's one of the things obviously that psycho kind of um gets a tip of the cap for mm-hmm. or uh, you know uh, and and i peeping tom does it as well you know and those films arguably would have been in production at the same time yeah mm-hmm. so i i think it's worth noting that that people should definitely check that flick it's on my out. list of ones i wanted to check out and yeah. I'm, I'm sure i will after this yeah it's, it's for the history of it i uh i remember seeing it Oh man, I must have been 17, 18 years old and again I think it might have been my mom that like rented it <laughs> and uh, and sat me down and was like, "All right, you're going to watch this kid." And uh and I remember like just like not being overly scared by it, but just being like in fucking invested in it. Um before we move on, there there is another film that precedes uh these films that that often people reference, in addition to obviously a lot of the Italian stuff, which we don't know, we're more celebrating the American slasher stuff. Mm. So I'm not familiar with a lot of like, like I said, like the Giallo movement. I don't know a lot about. I don't know a lot about, um, like 70s Italian films in general. So if any of you guys want to throw in, just do it. Just fucking <laughs> be like, I'm talking about this, <laughs> Brandon. Fuck you. Shut up. Well, there was like, one that's... called uh, the New York Ripper by uh, Lucio Fulci that yeah. was really. Uh... Yeah, it's as you were saying. It's like it's not about really about the characters. It's just like okay, one you know slasher scene to the next, and the mm-hmm. killer's got what was the deal with the killer? He has like a duck voice or something. Yeah, he he yeah. has a duck voice. Yeah, and that's like his thing. Like call people like and oh, 
I remember watching it and not really enjoying it. I, I think I spent like $40 on it on a VHS because it was like an import or something. I remember kind of being ripped off by it. But uh, yeah, the Italians, I, I love and hate Italian horror movies. Like some of them are just great, but some of them are just, even the ones I love are bad. Like they're, yeah. I don't know, they got a certain style to them that's uh, sometimes it gels and sometimes it doesn't. But uh, yeah, they're really yeah. weird. Like most of them take place in New York City for yeah, some yeah. reason. Like they're really obsessed with New York they're just City. Just as bad as the Canadians. Well, because at the, at the time, you know, like New York was, you know, uh, Fear City, you know, so you could get yeah. away with something like that kind of happening because of the culture at the time, right? And they would film the films half with American actors and half with Italian actors. Yeah. So you'll see scenes in English with American actors, and then you'll see other actors, and it's completely dubbed. They're it's speaking not, Italian. Yeah. <laughs> it's not dubbing properly. Awesome. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's a really so it's weird... Like the spaghetti, so it's like the spaghetti western of horror films. Exactly. The, the spaghetti slashers, if you will. Yeah, slashers. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Most of them are not very good. Oh, no. I, I, there's a period where I, I was watching like everything I get my hands on, and half the time, like, I'm just going to fast forward to this a little bit here, but... Uh, mm. I don't know. I like the, it's very artistic, like their uh, production design and stuff. Like sometimes it's just like Suspiria. I like Suspiria. I don't love it as much as some people, but just visually, the things you're going to see in that film are, it's almost like an artwork. So for that, I like the Italian horror movies. Going back to uh, Psycho for just one moment, mm-hmm. um, I think what's special about Psycho is Psycho is a horror movie and a slasher movie. That's for people that don't watch horror movies or slasher movies. You yeah. know, like it's, yeah. uh, you know, most people have not seen New York Ripper. No, no. But That's you know, your, your 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 parents and your grandparents they probably oh, yeah. saw Psycho. You yeah. know, everyone can relate to it, and it sort of defines sort of certain tropes that, that uh, with, with the genre. And uh, you know, it's it, you know you, you might be a creep for going to be really into horror movies but it's okay to like psycho you know it's a classic and i think yeah when you look at the the vastness Mm -hmm. of his catalog you look at things like vertigo and things like north by north north by northwest and uh which is a favorite of mine uh and uh you know uh i'm blanking here um dal m for murder um, rear window, rear window. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, I said no. that earlier in the show, and I couldn't think of it now. Hilarious. <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, uh, maybe the, it lends some kind of. Also, with people like you know Scorsese, like championing films like Vertigo, probably helps things yeah. along. Uh, well, and just Hitchcock is a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, have any of you? I haven't, so I just want to see because I'm curious. Um, <clears throat> Thirteen women. Then you guys seen this film? I've never actually seen it, but yeah, I know of it, yeah. but I've never watched it. Yeah, I've read and all about a it. A lot of the yeah. tropes are apparently set up in this film as well. Is this correct? Uh, I haven't seen it. Mm. I, I tried to track it down. It's yeah. like from 1932, exactly. And uh, in the time that I had to prepare for this, I, I couldn't. I couldn't track it down. Yeah, I tried no. looking for it too. Couldn't find it anywhere. Same. Never even heard of it. Mm. Not gonna lie. All right. Well, then we can move along. <laughs> what is interesting to say that it really did, from what I've read, it really, mm-hmm. it's a slasher film in the 30s. Like there, it's I don't know the exact premise, but it's 13 women in a house, and there's a killer one by one, you know, taking them out kind of thing. Although I think there's only 11 in the final cut, isn't that it's right? A possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow they didn't end up with 13 or something like <laughs> we that. We couldn't get 13 girls, but we don't want to change the title because <laughs> we like it. We like it, so it's gonna be 13. And even abstractly, if you look at something like uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, there's you know there's slasher elements to that. Mm-hmm. You know, the mysterious dark killer chasing a beautiful woman, and she's 
always pausing to like do poses and stuff as they did back then. Mm-hmm. And there's one shot where it's like uh, you see in the shadow of him murdering a guy with a knife, which is used quite a bit in slasher films. So even back then, it's not. I wouldn't call it a slasher film by any means, but it's the elements mm-hmm. are there that were built were upon years later. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I felt that way. Was it with uh, Night of the Preacher or Night of the Prowler with Robert Mitchum? Oh yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I mean. Night of the Hunter. Yeah, yeah. good. Flight. Like I always felt. You know, I saw that way after I knew anything about slasher films, and I was just kind of like, this is, you know, it's very much like that. You know, you got a guy being a, you know, a reverend or a priest going to, yeah. to all these women and taking them out and taking their money and on to the next town. Yeah, dog. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, the whole notion of, like, the grindhouse and the passion pits of, you know, like, uh, of uh, drive-ins and whatnot kind of propelling this racy cinema Mm-hmm. Um, on onto the big screen, you know, and when you look at, uh, say, for example, I know you just watched. Uh, you were uh, you were set, you posted you were watching Slumber Party Massacre. Oh, last buddy, it's <laughs> a good flick. It's a good flick. Yeah, <laughs> and, I watch a sequel uh, tonight, probably. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, the like. Say, for example, um, Amy Jones directed that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I only yeah. like, admittedly, I'm terrible with slasher directors, uh, but. I know her because she's another one of these Roger Corman disciples, you know. Mm-hmm. So she's like in that she's another one that uh, had this had this legend of of genre film of the B movie, um, you know, kickstart her career per se in the sense like of a James Cameron or a Martin Scorsese or mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola or something like that. Um, so it's it's interesting. Uh, when when you look at, at it, it's like this genre, ha, it's like it was inevitable. And the other thing that's so interesting about this time, uh, when you talk about the late seventies uh, and into the early eighties, like the golden age of of slashers, which we're going to talk about, is you see, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. A lot of my attraction to the films um, is that I'm uh, a big fan of uh, of true crime. Uh, novels and and documentaries mm-hmm. and these sorts of things so when i see for example maniac i see son of sam or when i see um uh house and sorority row i see uh you know that when like ted or uh yeah when ted bundy got into that you know mm-hmm. into that sorority house you know and things like that that's what i um it all seems so familiar to me. Even you could argue like Friday the 13th 2 with the fucking sack because he doesn't have the hockey mask yet. Yeah. <laughs> little little Zodiac-ish, don't you think? Oh, like yeah. you just change the weapon around, you Definitely know, like at Zodiac. least in terms of the aesthetic of it. And the... You know, in terms of the first kill on the side of the highway there. Like there... And it's like... People never mention the sack, eh? <laughs> no, I know. Well, we... Yeah. But, well, let's forget about the sack. <laughs> yeah, fucking potato sack on his head. I love it. But yeah, I I just I think there's something there to so say for example where I was going because I'm rambling now with oh, Slumber yeah. Party Massacre. I the the other thing that I love about it is that you feel like a fucking pervert when you're in the killer POV, like when you're in that. Uh, I just said the killer's name before we started too. Um, when you're in Russ Thorne's eyes, it's very different from being in Jason's eyes or being yeah. in. Uh, or Mrs. Voorhees in the first one, or something like that. Or, um, 
it's very different or Norman Bates or something like that. It's it's you feel like a voyeur, even when you're just looking at the cam, like just the just camera movement, like the way that the shower scene in that film is very like perverse, like yeah. just slow moving. Like you look at every inch of every fucking girl's they body. They really dwell on the, the booby yeah. shots. And- yeah. And, and so you you it's you get a little bit of an insight into the pathology of a uh, like mm-hmm. um a sex crazed serial killer yeah, like a little a, bit uh and and then like that was written as a satire but it still is effective even though it, it, we'll get to it but we'll get to it in, in the next episode, the next one but yeah. okay it's so interesting right yeah. you know like that's what i love about the genre um and and when you see a lot of the proto slasher films you see that same kind of spirit so when you see black christmas for example which i like to talk about in a minute a little bit if you guys wouldn't mind sure. um you see that kind of uh well there's so much humanity in it but that's what makes it even more fucking scary no, that's exactly yeah. why i was gonna say yeah. yeah um sorry any thoughts i've i've rambled no no, no so i uh no black christmas that uh are we doing that one next gentlemen sounds about right are we there it will make sense yeah let's do it yeah. Um, Get some Canadiana going. I gotta close this door. The train's no definitely way. gonna come up. <laughs> yeah, right. Black Christmas for me, yeah, sort of similar situation. My mom was like, "Yeah, you, you need to. You're gonna sit here. You're gonna watch this. Being like, you know, nine years old, mm-hmm. sick, watching Black Christmas. <laughs> all these girls get niced off at a sorority house. Yeah, Pl- yeah just yeah. like just plays on you, man. Kind of messes you up a little bit. And it was because of that movie why, like, for a while, it was. I, it took me a long time to get comfortable with certain relationship dynamics on screen. Like, I didn't feel bad in sleepaway camp when, like, the really mean girl got iced off. I was yeah. like, yeah, get a bitch. You know, like, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, awesome. Uh, I was all for that. But if it's, like, you know, a really kind person and then it's just like, well, you're going to get ripped in half, it bothers me. It just, it really bothers me. It, yeah. it oh, I, I cringe, like, extra, oh, more. And I love that that film doesn't have an, a particularly high kill count, but the kills are so emotional. Those are the best ones, though, is yeah. when they don't have a high kill count. It's just the ones that are are just, like, very like, real. Like the house mother with human. the fucking hook through her? That's like, oh, oh. fantastic. Yeah, the, uh, when uh, the girl gets the plastic bag over oh, her head. Oh, I know. That, that really creeped me out. That's that, I think I actually used that. Felt, it felt very realistic. <laughs> like, we talk about the voy- yeah, uh, voyeuristic aspects yeah. of slasher films. I think Black Christmas, to me, is the quintessential voyeuristic film, you know? Mm. Yeah, you, you know that they're being watched, you know? You, you see somebody creeping around the house and thinking that that could happen to you or somebody you know mm-hmm. is, is absolutely... Uh, mm frightening and you become a little bit of a voyeur too because as a as a kid watching this movie i'm like ooh, these are uh sorority girls and they're <laughs> partying and drinking and they're talking about sex mm-hmm. and uh and uh you know they're getting uh prank calls that are like really weird Lude, but they're just yeah. l- uh, laughing well, Mar- margot kidder seems to like them a lot yeah she <laughs> she, she, she loves it yeah you know it, it uh it, it's a world that I had not been aware of as a kid and, and seeing it, uh, it scared the crap out of me when people started getting knocked off. Um, it, uh, it just 
sticks with you because you're like, oh, I'm seeing it through the killer's eyes, mm-hmm. and and it, it just feels really real. It's always the in a way f- that yeah. later slashers don't really feel real at all. They just more about the the the, the gore. But, yeah, but this is. It's great. It's the fear in their eyes when they turn around and the killer's like right there. And then it's like the beginning of running and then you can't run anywhere. And then you're dead. Yeah. The, um, another interesting thing that that's worth touching on now, instead of trying to touch on it in a later episode is the fact that like, say for example, have you guys ever read uh, men, women, and chainsaws? You read oh, that book? Can't say um, that. well, one of the theories in that book is basically, uh, Carol Clover is the author. And, uh, basically the, uh, it it basic it's talking about the idea that um regardless of sex uh of the viewer so whether you're male or female uh, or transgender or whatever um you're watching the film and you're forced to because because of the notion of the final girl you're kind of inherently uh forced per se to relate to the female character um inherently who ends up kind of uh floating to the to or you know rising to the top of the you know uh, as a as as the uh emotional crux you know and 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 inevitably stopping the crisis or at least until the sequel or what have you right so it's um it's an interesting theory i don't know as i completely agree or disagree with it but i do like the idea of it and i do like the idea that say for example because even and I, because we brought it up a couple times in this episode already, uh-huh. but and we're going to talk about it in the next episode. But with Slumber Party Massacre, you know, with it, the idea of it being a a satire, it still wasn't as effective as like a later satire, like Student Bodies or something like that was, um, or obviously like Scream or, or yeah. you know, shit that's come later on or New Nightmare is another good example. But um, I, I feel as though. Part of that is because I don't think that women, even of the era with like the 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 booby shots and the butt shots and so forth, felt as though the the female characters weren't still representations of them to a certain extent. I don't think that they ever felt as though they weren't viewing a character they can relate to. And it's not because they're quintessential female or quintessential male. It's because it, it's irrelevant in the in in the film. You're forced to relate to this character. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's irrelevant. The sex is irrelevant. Uh, the final girl, although it is that, um, could be the final dog. Mm-hmm. But in any case, it's interesting that uh, I, I like that book. You guys should check that book out. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, huh. good good book. Pretty well known. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. I've definitely heard of the title. I just yeah. haven't. Uh, I think Tommy read, read it. it. Yeah, probably. <clears throat> it's right up his alley. <laughs> Why isn't he here? Yeah, what the hell, man? He just moved. Oh. Okay. Well, get him on. We're doing another Evil Dead episode. We got to talk about this. So. Okay. To be continued. Yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> any other thoughts on... Let, let's keep on Black Christmas for a minute, if you don't mind. Any other thoughts from anyone right now? I have a thought, but I've been hogging the microphone for a little bit. So I saw Art Hindle, uh, who plays the boyfriend, <laughs> yeah, yesterday yeah. afternoon at Horrorama. I was very excited. Oh, cool. Yeah. He plays um, the piano playing... No, no, from, not which... the piano playing. The, the other guy with the... The sweater, like the hockey playing. Oh, uh, the, yeah, the hockey goalie or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, Andrea Martin as well is in that one. Yeah, looking hot and, and I, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> you know that was shot in Toronto, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 
It's uh, and that's something that I'd like to get to a little bit later too. Is how many of these like golden era films uh, are 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 Canadian and, and they're dressed up? As... Yeah. Well, the thing the thing about like even Black Christmas being shot in Toronto that got me was at the time when I saw it, I was living in the Beaches, mm. where a lot of the houses look like that, especially up over on Glen Manor. Mm. So it was like <laughs> very, it was very real. Um, and really like mess, messes, like it messed me up. My mm-hmm. mom was just like, cause she wasn't looking at it like that. She's like, oh, it's just a horror movie. I'll fucking put it on. I like it. Cause my mom, they introduced, my dad introduced me to movies, but, um, yeah, it growing up in the beaches, seeing that house, I still have a, I still have a hard time watching the original, like watching Black Christmas. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the sequel. Even when we get to that era, no fucking way. We're just skip <laughs> the remake, right the fuck over. not the or, sequel. Sorry, the remake, yeah. 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 No, what remake? Fuck that. No no remake. That's, that's all. Moving yeah, what on. remake? I don't remember a remake. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Don't recall it. <laughs> um, my other point that I wanted to mention is uh, a lot of the uh, films that come before and even after the kind of forming of the genre tropes or sub-genre tropes often feel a little bit rushed in the third act to me. I feel like they their goal is to ramp up the killing and roll the credits. Uh, and Black Christmas does a great job of ramping up tension mm-hmm. and uh, and really pulling the viewer in, uh, but closes out the movie in a way that's very suspenseful with the phone ringing and everything kind of coming to a close. And I won't go into details because if anyone hasn't seen it, I want you to go out and see it. Um, but it, it doesn't ever feel rushed. It doesn't ever feel, uh, uh, too long. It's, it's perfectly paced, uh, particularly in the third act when things start to ramp up. And I, I love that. I really, really do. I think there's, I think that made it so much more special for me having to sit there in the nineties and watch a movie from the seventies as a, you know, 10 year old or 11 year old or whatever I was, um, it just it it felt new and fresh. It felt like an, a movie of that era. It didn't mm-hmm. you know? Felt like a lot of better shit than was coming out in, in the genre, as, oh, yeah. as I later learned in the late '90s or early <laughs> '90s, rather. Jason goes to hell. Yeah. I was thinking more of films like Popcorn and shit like that. Like that was <laughs> I did not like that one. Any others that you guys would like to touch on in terms of kind of the pre-slasher films? I guess we kind of have to talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know there's like a divide if you think this is a slasher or not. Well, we can talk about that. Yeah. Whether, yeah. Yeah, please. I don't think it is. I agree. I uh, um, I even have a hard time with Nightmare on Elm Street, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mainly because it's a family. It's a group of family. Mm-hmm. They're not there in their own home turf. They're not, you know, chasing after somebody. You know, a lot of slashers yeah. is is somebody being stalked in their own environment or or somewhere, yeah. A, yeah. a place. Whereas these people just get stranded, and and Texas Chainsaw Massacre doesn't have the same elements uh, of of the voyeurism or whatnot. It's just it's just gruesome it's it's something else it's it's its own thing that i don't necessarily know what i would classify it as great that's That's what i classify it as so given that how come you don't classify freddy as necessarily a a slasher because i would consider it a slasher well i i think nightmare is a technical slasher because it's an unstoppable force that's Mm. coming after you 
in yeah. your own ele- in your element. Yeah, exactly. Literally. Um, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, but I agree. He doesn't like, he doesn't fit the traditional because he's very talkative and he plays with his food. You know? Yeah. Um, none of the other ones play with their food. They just go right ahead and eat. Yeah, Jason just goes for the kill and yeah. on to well, the next some one. some do. And obviously, if we're if we're going to categorize, say, for example, a film like Maniac as a slasher, then then I have to quickly step back and go, okay, now everything's a fucking slasher. <laughs> you know, now American Psycho is a fucking slasher. You know, like... It, it, be, <sighs> You know what I mean? Because yeah. like that that movie is literally about like Joe Spinell's character. Uh, so yeah, maybe I have to shut the fuck up about, <laughs> about well, Freddy I was, not being a slasher. I was looking at a list of like the hundred best slasher movies, and American Psycho has been listed on quite yeah, a it's, few oh, of them. Yeah, it keeps popping up in those. I oh yeah, like totally. Brett Easton Ellis was, and maybe we'll talk about it when we get to that era, when we get to nineties a little bit. Um, was totally influenced by by like films like maniac for example that get into the killer's head a little bit more and also the whole like the third act of that film again with like you don't know it's all disorienting you don't know if he's uh i feel like i'm ruining the next episode but (laughs) if he's um uh if he's like imagining it or if they're actually like coming after him and shit or like when he's talking to his mom oh yeah have you guys seen the original the house uh the dreaded sundown no, no. Uh, it's another guy with a burlap sack, and it's based on a true story. Yeah, uh, there was a remake recently that played a couple of years ago at After Dark, and the remake was okay uh, for contemporary slashers. It was pretty good, but the original just has this sort of almost dragnet feel like. Uh, oh, interesting, uh, but with the slasher, you know, there's there's that some, sounds awesome. It's 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 really good. It's it, uh, it basically it takes place uh, uh, in the small town of Tex Arcana, mm-hmm. uh, Kansas. Yes, I have yeah. heard of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, it, it is based on a real life serial killer that 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 stalked the town's uh, folk and just killing people who were in lovers' lane. You know, similar to Son of Sam. Um, I really like. Uh, the less supernatural stalkers, I th- uh, uh, slashers, I think they're 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 much scarier because they're so real. Yeah, that could happen. Mm. It could happen. You know, yeah, absolutely. I have a question for you guys. Do you consider the Last House on the Left to be a slasher flick? Like, definitely a precursor to it. But again, you have a group of killers and you have them in their environment. Um, and, and I, I, I'd say. <laughs> In regards, I've had that one come up a lot this week. Like, oh, you're doing a proto slasher episode. Are you going to talk about that one? I think and my the, answer was no. I think the, in the level of suspense, but I would lump that in the same category as Texas Chainsaw, really. and like Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, another right? West Craven because it's because yeah. it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a force. It's not a one, you know. Yeah. Um, in the level of suspense, <laughs> I think, and how it builds, absolutely. But I mean, like, I wouldn't. Again, it's it's like a Texas Chainsaw or House on Haunted Hill. Like it's, that's a, that's a team. It's not an individual. And it's yeah, fish out of water kind of thing. All right. Yeah. All if right. I was programming a double bill, I wouldn't be opposed to you know programming it next to a slasher. And yeah. Sort of the same enjoyment out of that's, it. Yeah. That, that's what I, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like yeah. It's the same like atmosphere. Like, I think it's set a level in regards to like that. Um, but no, it's it's like a Texas. It's a, it's a team. Right. Slashers are an individual. Right. On. Any other films we want to touch on before we go to break and come back and get in depth with Halloween? I think we gotta give a bit of a shout out to like uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis, kind of his 
splatter films that came before slasher films, like Color Me Blood Red, uh, Wizard of Gore, Blood Feast. They're not slasher films per se, but they did have a lot of scenes where like a guy is like stabbing a woman and ripping her guts out and kind of the gory side of the slasher films kind of precursor to that and especially with the wizard of gore you guys ever seen that one no no, no. no I, i've seen it like for a long time wizard of gore is uh if i remember correctly he basically he's a he's a uh, magician who brings people up on stage and does these sort of uh, tricks where it looks like they're being murdered and then when it cuts they're all fine but when they get back to their hotel room or go back to the house all of a sudden whatever happened to them it happens to them and then all of a sudden they're people find them covered in blood and guts hanging out and stuff and uh, yeah, it's not a slash film per se. Like he's not stalking them with a knife or anything, but it it really uh, it has like the the murder gory kind of thing to it, especially in uh, Blood Feast as well. It's like a yeah, uh, I can't remember exactly. He's like an Egyptian god or something that has to try to resurrect some god, and he gets these women and you know has these ritualistic sacrifices where he's like pulling their liver out and mm-hmm. and back in the day, like they weren't really they weren't releasing movies that were that violent, so his kind of stuff was next level at that point. Yeah. In the movie, uh, Serial Mom, one of the, someone from that film was watching Blood Feast in that film. That's how I discovered it back in the day. Nice. Serial Mom. Yeah, I plan on going to see Blood Feast uh, later in the month. Uh, they're playing it at the Royal Road. Oh, really? Morgan are putting on oh, it. Oh, sweet. Uh, like an uncut <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, edition yeah. of it. So. Sweet. A day or two before Halloween. I'm excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any other thoughts, or can we, should, we, should we take a break? Let's take a break. All right, so we'll come right back and get into Halloween. On the next episode of Slasher Fest, 13 more films, including Friday the 13th, Rom Night, My Bloody Valentine, Sleepaway Camp, Maniac, Slumber Party Massive, Burning, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and more coming this Sunday. All right, so we're back, and uh, let's get into it, gentlemen. Yeah, shall we? Halloween. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, before we get into it too deeply, can I just get your first impressions of the film, perhaps uh, first viewing any stories, anything like that, or just your thoughts on the film? Well, Who wants a, to kick us off? It's a great film, obviously. Yes. It's, uh, it's probably one of the best like horror movies ever made, and... Uh, I, it's funny because I love that movie, but I hate the rest of the series. Like I just, when it comes to like Michael Myers and stuff, the later ones not doesn't interest me. But uh, the original one, first time I saw it, I was younger. I must have been like ten or eleven, and that music it still chills me to my core when I hear it to this day. And mm-hmm. uh, just like the POV stuff, and you know, it's a great movie. Yeah, the um, I watched it when I was like I think it was like a, I was fourteen, and I was. Uh, my sister was dating this guy, and he was huge into Halloween, and he made me watch one, two, three, and sorry, one, two, four, and five, pretty much back to back in like one day. Um, and one, one scared the shit out of me, especially because the, how the camera's set up because he's like such so tiny in the first scene. Cause he's the kid, right? Yeah. And then you see him, and he grabs the mask and he puts it on, and then like the the stab. Uh, that was the first time I saw a stab like that, where it was a, 
or like really like it just I don't know it just got me when he killed so his sister. The one where he, oh, like oh, with the sister. I thought you talked about when he stabbed him to the wall. No, no, in the uh, the fr- at the at very the at the okay, very yeah. very beginning, like yeah, the yeah. first kill, and then he goes outside, and they're the like Michael, come home. Yeah. yeah, and then it, you know the pan, um, yeah, really, really, because he looks so innocent. Uh, it was just you didn't I didn't I haven't I never saw anything like that before. I saw like the Jasons and that was whatever and you see the freddies and you're like you're not even scared um but then you see that and um yeah it's uh very good you know it was like you could see how that was cemented in history mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. i actually came to halloween pretty late on i'd seen a lot more other slashers than that i just it's one of those films that i just never came across <laughs> Uh, whenever I went to the video store, it was always rented out. My yeah, dad's right. uh, best friend used to own a video store, and he would let me rent anything for free Sweet. for about five or six years, Sick. Uh, uh, which which was uh, in, in Scarborough, and uh, I, I loved it. Um, however, Halloween was one of those ones that, that that were always out. So I actually saw the third one before I saw any of the other ones. Um, it, it wasn't until I was like 17 or 18 that I saw Halloween and I liked it, but I think because I didn't see it as an early age, I didn't connect with it as much, although it's, you know, much, uh, it's, it's a much more superior film to, to a lot of the, the, the ones in the genre. Mm-hmm. It definitely, uh, set everything, um, set the stage, uh, for the slasher genre as we sort of know it growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, Halloween was the film that essentially started everything all the proto ones were i consider those something else mm-hmm. uh weird question what was the video store in scarborough uh it was uh on kingston road um video was it video flicks no oh, okay no i forget the name <laughs> i forget the name it was a long time ago kingston road and sinclair oh i know the video store very well yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah because I, I grew up in scarborough so yeah, uh, Blockbuster moved in next to them, uh, next to him, and within two years, oh, he was yeah. out of business. Yeah, so wipe him right yeah I know the, I know what you're between. Video Plus, about. that's it. Yeah. Video Plus. Okay, so my thoughts on Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut that shit out. <laughs> no, uh, stay in. It's Slasher Fest. We're leaving everything in. No, I'm kidding. We might cut it. Um, so my thoughts on Halloween, I... I too didn't see the film. I didn't see it as late as seventeen, eighteen, but I think I saw it for the first time. Oh, must have been probably somewhere in my mid to late high school years. So probably pretty close to seventeen. But um, I know I wasn't a senior yet. I remember seeing it at Halloween, um, probably age sixteen, something like that. 1516 and because um, obviously I wasn't even born in 78 um, and I remember obviously like you guys already touched on loving the music uh, and I'm a big fan of, of Carpenter's scoring throughout films I, I actually went to see Halloween last night at Tiff Lightbox so I couldn't come to your show East um, and uh, this is the first time I've seen it on the big screen uh, which was nice uh, and I I have to say, I remember the first viewing that I had. I was watching it on like one of the like a like a CRT uh, TV kind of mm-hmm. thing, like a tube TV. And uh, one of the big problems with that film, obviously, when you watch it, when you watch the VHS on a TV, is that it's a very dark film. Like it's very dependent on 
um, on uh, atmosphere mm-hmm. more than anything else. And so I think some of that was very much lost on me at an early age or in my teenage years, I guess I should say. Um, I, I love the movie off the jump, but I remember a lot of the stuff that I now understand happens is we've gotten like, you know, DVD editions, Blu-ray editions and so forth. And you can, you know, it's like crystal clear mm-hmm. and it's widescreen and all these things. And, and again, it was a pleasure to see it last night on the big screen. Um, but I, I remember not being overly affected mm-hmm. by it initially. And I think that some of that as Carpenter himself has said is, is, as to the fact that you you should this this the film was designed to see at a theater with other people mm-hmm. or in a drive-in or something like that. Did did you so. find that uh, now that you saw it in the theater that uh, because you're seeing it at the proper like resolution that mm-hmm. um, you just kind of got more out of it? I found that I'm only asking because I found that when I saw the thing. <clears throat> Um, at the Fox, which is a nice connection because uh, it's well, one Carpenter did the remake, but also it's this movie that they're watching. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, I, when I saw the thing, um, I found that uh, when the dog transforms, uh, you just saw like way more, like way more of it. Like I saw like the eye, like one of the eyes at the top, which I never really saw. Yeah. So did you find that um, a lot more of the shots, maybe in like some of the kills, kind of like caught your eye a bit more because you're now seeing it proper? Well. To be quite honest, the sound was the first thing that that uh, stuck out to me because cool. I've never been able to see it in an environment where the sound was quite that good. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I noticed uh, from seeing it in in a widescreen, like in a, in a Panavision like widescreen, uh, was that um, uh, it felt ironically, even though it was in widescreen, it felt more intimate. Mm. If that, it, it, I think, it, I don't know, it, it worked so well because I seem to remember the shot when the kids go up to the front of the house and Donald Pleasance um, is like, uh, you know, says the kid's name, like, you should get out of here or whatever, like, get, get your ass out of here or whatever he says. And he's laughing and uh, I remember that playing is like you couldn't see Donald Pleasance whenever it cut to the kids. But I could be wrong on that, on the VHS version. The other thing is I wanted to mention that I saw that movie uh, because someone told – well, no, because my mom, who know, knew I was a huge Bond fan, was like, Blofeld's in this. Oh, and I was like, oh, okay, of course, I'm going to fucking watch it then. You know, <laughs> That was like her selling point to me. Like, if you like you know, Ernst Stavro Blofeld, which I know you do, kid, <laughs> watch this flick because uh, you get to see him – like in a dramatic role for like you know a, a good part of the film. I love how what's a, it's like a twenty day shoot and he was there for like what a week or not even. I think it's only yeah. three days. Three days. Yeah. So yeah, and that's that was the yeah. money. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and he probably got paid more than anyone too. Oh, so, by far. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Totally yeah. did. They don't do that anymore. We're gonna pay you an exuberant amount of money for like three days of shooting. I think there's like three different actors that actually play yes. Michael Myers. In Even in film. the credits, you see because there's uh, his buddy that plays the shape per se. When Michael has the mask on, and he also does the scene where he jumps on top of the car and like smashes the oh, window, yeah. like that. So whenever Michael has the mask on as an adult, uh, then there's young Michael, and then there's also um, the uh, 
fuck there's the uh the guy who just plays him when the mask comes off 23 year old michael is what he's called in the credits and he's just in it for one scene and it's so interesting because i've seen the actor talk about it that plays like 23 year old michael for one scene when the mask comes off and he's like he answered an ad in like variety or whatever wherever he saw the ad that was like um they were looking for a um what is it i it wasn't baby-faced man it was like uh like kind faced or sweet faced or something mm. like that. Like they wanted someone that looked very pure and just to put a little scar over his eye and like that's it. Which is really cool. The uh T V version which they went out and actually shot about twenty minutes of extra footage for the T V version because they Ooh. had to cut a lot of the violence yeah. out. Yeah. On the Blu ray they had the T V uh version available for you to check it out. Um John Carpenter actually is Michael in a couple shots because oh, they, 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 they oh. just didn't have anyone at the time. <laughs> of course. And then there's also a stuntman, obviously, yeah. when he falls off at the end yeah. and so forth. Yeah. So what huh. am I saying? There's like, I think there's I, five I or really six like... people that actually play him technically throughout the film. I also love the shot and I, I forgot all about it. Um, and I, you know, I know that it, this is nothing new for anyone who knows any of the lore behind the film or knows anything about John Carpenter, but everyone knows that he's just like the guy smokes all the fucking time. And the scene where you're, uh, where, um, uh, Michael like steps out of the bushes and then, um, uh, Laurie's like, you know, I just saw a man there. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, he, come over here. He wants to ask you out or whatever. And he's not there. Um, that shot when when you hear you know come over here he wants to ask you out or whatever the line is uh, you see like fucking cigarette smoke oh, really? fly <laughs> fly by yeah and you I can see it so out. clear on the big screen I hadn't I I hadn't thought about it in like a decade I've probably yeah. seen this movie like fifteen times and I've never thought about the fact that you can clearly see John Carpenter smoking it's like why wouldn't you just shoot that again. <laughs> It adds, it adds to it's it. Fine. It adds atmosphere. Yeah, it's a, it's a smoke. It's Michael's a smoke. having a smoke. It's whatever. a smoky night, you know. <laughs> smoky day. I was in the middle of the fucking yeah. day. That's a day scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, you mentioned in a previous episode, and I love that. There's just the line from Donald Pleasance, like someone must have taught him like how to drive. Oh yeah, the guy drives like a pro. The, that's like, that's <laughs> he can't all. Be a driving that's, instructor. That's all yeah. I'm saying. So that in that instant, like institution or whatever, like where they just like, okay, Mike. So today is a uh, driving 101. Yeah, I know. And put your parking brake on. You know, <laughs> he's like the only—he's the only killer in like horror history of like the, all the Jasons and all that, where you actually know how Mike got around. Yeah, he drove. He drove a sta- he drove a Woody. Like he just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's a deleted scene with Do- uh, Donald Pleasance uh, sort of trying to answer that question. And somebody's asking him, "How how did he drive?" He goes, "I don't know, but he was driving really good last night." Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's it. that was in the cut that I saw last oh, night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. One other thing I wanted to talk about, seeing as you're here, Jesse, you know what's also interesting is I actually saw a white's van outside of the TIFF uh, light box oh, yeah. last night while I was there, They're or like around. a truck with a light lift gate, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to see Jesse tomorrow. I'll cut <laughs> that if you want me to. That's fine. Um, <laughs> um, and you know the stupid thing, because I'm, I am going to cut this, but... It, uh, I'm in transport, so I'm looking at the lift gate, and I'm like, I wonder what the capacity is on that. I'm not even looking at all like, the cool gear in the back. Yeah, like, yeah, how much could that lift? Yeah, it's like, it's like 2,000 pounds. Like, what? In any case, um, I wanted to ask you uh, the little featurette that they played beforehand. And I know John Carpenter is very... Like, I can't listen to John Carpenter talk as much as I love the guy because I get a different story every version of every interview that you see. Like, you can't exactly... I don't know if it's just the way he remembers it or... It's like an old hippie, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he can't remember yeah. it all. <laughs> um, 
but I, uh, I, I was really surprised, and I also have something I want to talk to you about, Easton, in a minute. Oh, okay. But um, I, I was really surprised that in the interview with him, they talked about uh, a little bit about the the Panaglide. This and th- they used a lot throughout the film. I actually just pulled a photo up of it on my phone a minute ago, uh, doing that whole like, the, especially the opening shot, which. Um, which you were talking about before East, um, and I love that they were like they it, when they were, when they were doing the featurette, they were just like it's it's like a Steadicam and just like moved along. Yeah, which yes, it is, but in those days, wasn't it substantially heavier? I, oh, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, like I'm it, not sure exactly what it looks like, but back in the day, those rigs were just cumbersome and yeah, massive. Yeah, those things were were fucking crazy, and I love the result of it in that. Um, sometimes Jace, there's wow. Sometimes Michael is like, you know, um, six feet tall <laughs> almost when he's going in through the house. Like when he's going up the stairs, he's got like six stairs left and you can see above the stairs and you're like, this is a child when the arm comes in and it yeah. looks like it's reaching in from like 15 feet away. But it, it, it's, it's a great, a great shot. They did a great job with hidden cuts, you know, something that you see a lot in, um, in, uh, Spielberg. Mm-hmm. For example, like you see, we talked about it in another episode that you were here for, uh, Jesse. He puts that in almost every one of his films where there's like a good two, three, four minutes that are just one shot. And so he has these spots in case he needs to do hidden cuts where he has choreographed. And a lot of times he does. And the same thing works in that. So you got the hidden cut when he puts the mask on. And, um, and I know that we take for granted nowadays how easy it is to do that sort of thing. Yeah, back in the day, you but, had to yeah. really plan ahead. <laughs> yeah, in '78, you uh, you would literally have to watch for the exact frame that lines up, cut it, and put it together exactly right to have like not. And I know that your mind moves on pretty quickly, but. Uh, the uh, the skill involved in that whole sequence, as much as we can joke about it and say it's not perfect, and I know like there's there's undertones to the whole scene, like the guy and uh, and his sister have sex in like all of twelve seconds, mm. and he's leaving, and um, <clears throat> who hasn't been there before? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty clear that they're moving the lighting around as they're going through. Like you can see them, well, you can't see them, but you can tell that they're moving the lighting rigs around. And I've heard interviews about it, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's interesting that like that even with all the things we kind of joke about, how hard and how much they really did achieve and forward the art form in what was initially seen as kind of just like smut in yeah. a lot of people's mind when it first hit theaters, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I, 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 I'm in awe of, of particularly... Uh, well... It's like those 20 days that they had and the the monetary constraints that they had and all these, you know, uh, hardships that were just cast on this film made it so perfect and so special. Yeah, it should have been terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, everything, well on, been, every, but... everything on paper, but it just came together in a magical way. Mm-hmm. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, Easton, this is just a quick thought, nothing uh, of any significance. I recently heard an interview with John Carpenter where he talked about um, scoring like the main piece that reoccurs throughout the film. My entire life, I've never realized that that is in five four time. Really, I never realized that was in five four. Um, 
and he explained that that is that was actually a hand drum groove that his father had showed him to teach him five four time, and huh. he simply just applied that same principle that he had been doing with a hand drum as a child on the keys. On the keys, very cool. And it created probably the creepiest score. Yeah. Oh, one of the most iconic horror movie music of all time. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Yeah, I um, what I love about Halloween is that it's almost like it's almost like a slasher. The first one's like a slasher opera mm-hmm. almost, you mm-hmm. know, because, yeah, I know it should have been smut, but it almost it looked so grand, you know, in my mind, because whenever I looked, you don't I never saw a slasher flick like that. I mean, you, you kind of still haven't since mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on how it was shot. Well, I don't know. I feel like Black Christmas gets pretty close, and there are stories that apparently Carpenter, although he'll never admit it, but maybe, I don't know if he just doesn't remember or if the stories are false, but that he was talking to Bob Clark, and uh, he asked Bob Clark what his next film would be, and Bob Clark pretty much told him exactly the storyline that became Halloween. That being said, I've also heard rumors that Deborah Hill wrote much more of it than was originally uh, given her credit for, which we got to talk a little bit about her uh, as we move along here. Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, thoughts on the uh, what the fuck were we just talking about? Oh, yeah, sorry, the uh, sl- slasher film like you've never seen before. Yeah, like I'm sorry, but that's in my mind. That's what makes it so legendary, mm-hmm. you know, because that open that opening sequence alone mm-hmm. is choice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to be honest, like I've seen the Friday the Thirteenth. I really don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. It's more just like ah, something for the background. It's fun. It's action. It's death. I'm all for it. You know what I mean? Jason, again, by the time you get to Manhattan... Oh, God. You're, you're, yeah, you know, you're laughing. Oh, the body there. counts up to 100 by that yeah, point. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But there's still great kills in it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, Friday the 13th, um, you're only watching to see interesting kills. Where, like, Halloween, you actually genuinely care about the characters and you feel... Yeah, and when bef- you, before Mike got supernatural. Oh, yeah, well... Well, you got supernatural in the first one. Oh, for sure. But I mean, like, uh, like, like over, like over the top. By the time you're in, like, you know, four yeah. or five, you're just like Jiminy fuck, <laughs> you know. But that first one is still like the f- all the fear is there. Mm-hmm. Like, like when she's in the closet and he's busting through, like you feel like you're in there with her. Like, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. And and I like how they kind of made him like kind of different sizes like that because it almost again like. Without being in the POV of him, you almost saw how just like how big and terrifying he gets throughout the film. You know, mm-hmm. he just gets more and bigger, and you're terrified because it's just it's nonstop. Unlike uh, the uh, earlier proto slashers, Halloween did something, and and it definitely adds to making it iconic is the, the, the concept of the mask, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that <clears throat> mask is something that you can identify for, uh, with, got albino with, Captain Kirk coming out. You know, Black oh, yeah. Christmas. You don't even <laughs> see at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a couple other films have bags over the head, but you know, yeah. they're, 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 uh, you know, Friday the 13th ripped it off. Every other slasher that became popular and had a, lo- a long run um, had an iconic mask, and that's something that uh, Halloween was the first to do, really. And yep. it's just just a blank face, hmm. you yep. know, the blank face it, of Billy Shatner. And people always, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I love the idea of a spray painted uh, <laughs> Captain Kirk mask. I love that. Uh, it, it's so simple, um, and 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 yet 
brilliant. It's perfect. It's become its own thing. It's almost kind of um, like a tribute to the Canadian film that they ripped off, you know? Well, I don't feel <laughs> that they ripped it off. I should be clear about that. I think that they're two very separate things. I'm just saying I've heard a story previously that connects those two together. That being said, I did want to talk a little bit about Deborah Hill. Another thing this film did is kind of champion a wave of female producers. There wasn't a hell of a lot of them, especially in in genre film Mm -hmm. uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, did a fucking amazing job. Basically, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis was her call. You know, she brought Jamie Lee in to read for John or with John, rather. And um, uh, obviously she's co-writer on the script. Um, she actually also plays Michael in some of the exterior shots, mm. which is so funny because um, I've seen an interview with her before she passed away, may she rest in peace, um, where she talks about how goofy she felt the footage <laughs> looked because it's just like they're standing across the street. It's like an exterior shot of um, what's the girl's name? The girl kid. Uh, that's embarrassing. I can't remember. Either. In any case. um outside of her house and it's just uh you know essentially like a foot shorter yeah michael myers and she's wearing the mask right and the other thing i i love is that um they put together a couple the story that i heard her tell is they put together like a couple of bags of um of like brown leaves either they're painted brown or they were legitimately brown maple leaves and were like spreading them around uh, before they would start shooting, so it would look like the Midwest in the fall, and then as soon as the as soon as the uh, shot would cut, uh, you know, you'd call cut, and they and Deborah would be like run out and be like, "All right, get the leaves, everyone," the and the leaves. cast would have to collect the fucking leaves and put them in the bag and move to the next scene before they blow that, away. That's hilarious. There's only the one scene too that I can think of that is like you get like like a little slip on that front, which is there's like one palm tree scene, and I know it's everywhere on the fucking internet. But uh, other than that, they did a great job of dressing up um, Southern California to look like Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. Did a great job. The uh, the actual house there that uh, where where they filmed the exterior shots, um, the people that owned the house actually remodeled the front of the house to look totally different because it looked identical, and they had too many people. They would just, just like by. look out in the middle of the night, and there'd be somebody dressed up as Michael Myers <laughs> on the front porch. <laughs> yeah, that's not yeah, and, and just taking photos. And they're like, "We've had enough," so they just like sort of. Like redid their house not because they needed to, just because they're like, we want this to be unrecognizable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> That's amazing. That'd be even a good thing for a horror movie idea, right there. It's a house that was used as a horror film that had a bunch of people waiting outside, and that person's actually a killer. <laughs> I'm stealing that. <laughs> Batten bending, Batten bending, Batten bending. <laughs> um, don't worry, we can go back to the tape, and you know, we'll sort this out in court. It's documented, Mermel Court. It's copyright. That's an episode right there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'll be the new spin-off show. Yeah, right. Mermel Court. Um I don't know as I'm ready to move on yet. I feel like there's so much more stuff that we can talk about on this one. I uh, we should talk a little bit more about Donald Pleasance. We should talk a little bit more about Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh we should talk about the abundance of the use of the word totally. 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 Um Well, how else are you going to set the time? Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right, how many totallys? Okay, so we're about we're about thirty minutes in. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are the kids saying nowadays? Ah, totally, totally. What are they totally saying? 
Yeah, no, um, I really love Donald Pleasance in the film. I think he's uh, he does a great job of um, conveying this almost um, I don't know this this it's a it's a fearful energy, but there's a calm about it. Yeah, and there's a there's a strength about it, but it's all very quiet. Um, uh, and and it's I respect that performance a lot more because I know how little time. He had, and I love the story that uh, he only did the film because his daughter, I think, liked the music that John Carpenter <laughs> did on uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen. She liked the music, so he's like, "All right, fine, all I'll, right, do, I'll it. do the film." And well, I that... think he owned, owed his wife alimony as well. Yeah, that. Uh, well, that's the reason to do anything. Yeah, well, didn't, <laughs> didn't uh, isn't there a similar story with Friday the Thirteenth? I'm trying to think of it. I'll look it up on a break, but I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a similar story with the first Friday the Thirteenth. But the music on from Assault on Precinct Thirteen is like pretty cool. Like he went from, yeah, again, Carpenter scores, man, Assault, right. Halloween, Escape, boom, Pristine, true. Ah, yeah. and I, I like, like the score of the thing. And I like the song at the end of Big Trouble in China. Oh, solid, solid. <laughs> yeah, what am I? I'm an idiot. Betsy Palmer, she needed a car. She broke down or something, and she needed a car. And that's why she did Friday the 13th. Huh. Because <laughs> they originally wanted Shelly Winters. Oh, yeah. And then she wouldn't do it, so they... Is that right? Does that sound right? It sounds all right. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. Carpenter's actually touring his scores right now. Like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, he yeah. has record. those albums of, yeah. of, of, like, sort of films, that, uh, songs that never made it to films. Yeah. Um, but but he's also doing a lot ones. of classic songs, and he's going around the <laughs> States. Uh, if, if it ever comes to Toronto, I'm you, you know who You know who his band is, right? No. His two sons. Yeah. It's it's the whole it's the carpenter it's like the carp- yeah it's like the, the carpenters, carpenters but yeah not the carpenters <laughs> yeah there's the shot of the panaglide out right outside of uh of the the house wow yeah look at the size of that fucking thing and one camera operator the whole film oh my god that guy's got serious fucking back problems right now I promise you that. That Panaglide was just fucking... But I'm sure if he was, he was really good at it, like, he, like he for the time period, he's always going to be working. Yeah, that that's something interesting, too. Like, when you talk about... it's When you talk about the Steadicam, too, I, I love that people always, like, refer to the, um, the scene, and I can't... I did this in another episode. I can never think of the fucking guy's name that invented the Steadicam, or, um, but he was the camera operator on Rocky, and that's, like, the third or fourth film that technically was shot uh, with a Steadicam that all came out around the same time, and it's interesting because... The shot that they use of him running up and down those stairs was test footage that the guy who created the Steadicam did the exact same shot, but with his girlfriend running <laughs> up and down the stairs. And there, and like John Alvinson saw it and was just like, "I want, that. yeah, that's great. Let's use that in our movie, and we'll get him to fucking operate the camera." Nick, and it's legendary scene, <laughs> exactly. And it's like if you if you can find. Steadicam, like, sales footage circa, like, the 1970s, then you can find that. Now you got me thinking wrong. Garrett, Garrett Brown. Brown. Fuck. Thank you. Yeah. Now I'm, now I'm going back to that Rocky episode. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and you and I almost... Go back to episode four. You and I almost cried. This is episode 49. <laughs> this is four-part episode 49. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I know. This has been going for a while, my friends. It's been a fun ride. Um... 
I feel as though we should wrap it up on this episode because we got a lot oh, yeah, to get a lot to into. Cover. And we can still obviously revisit all of these in the coming episodes. I like that we kind of dealt more in broad strokes with, with a lot of the proto stuff because I feel as though we're going to be able to draw comparisons in the next ones. Uh, I, I, I hope that you'll go out and check out some of these films if you don't know them um so that hopefully when we reference them in future episodes uh today um or like we're film we're doing this all in one day <laughs> but you're going to hear it over four days um in future episodes in the series then you'll be able to kind of jump in on the conversation with us and yell at us in your car or you know on the train or wherever you're listening to us um any final thoughts though on halloween gentlemen or proto slashers or anything else you want to say Hopefully not another story about the steady cam. I'm sorry. <laughs> I always do that. I always go off in tangents. Like, let's talk about five four time. <laughs> in any case. If you haven't seen it, well you're silly and you should go see it. Or rent it or stream it. I'm sure you can probably watch it for free and at this point. Mm. And don't don't accidentally watch the Rob Zombie one either, because oh, yeah. no. And we're gonna get that into that <laughs> no. in another episode, but That's I'd love probably, to hear yeah. your your guys' take on that real quick as well. <sighs> I like Rob Zombie as a filmmaker. I, I like I like his original content type stuff, but those movies were so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he, he he said the reason he didn't like Michael Myers originally is because he's just like this lumbering dummy that doesn't really do much. But that's all he had that's, him do in that one. It's just like he's just like this like almost like walking through walls almost. And all they did was invert the Donald Pleasance exposition into twenty minutes of actual footage. Yeah. I remember seeing that after I was joking on another episode that you were here for East. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing that at the drive in after Star Wars No No uh, Yeah and um, You must have had a bad night that episode night. No <laughs> Um and yeah, it was uh like the pacing of that film after Star Wars prequel number trois uh was fucking terrible like i couldn't i left i left i don't even remember anything that happens in it really like it's just i watched it and it immediately went out of my brain i'm like i'm never gonna watch it then i watched the sequel which i liked a little bit better yeah yeah but it wasn't very good like it's just like stick to your own thing you got your own thing going on here you don't be you don't be dealing with other franchises i uh mm. yeah i um i remember malcolm mcdowell mm-hmm. um he was okay he was even a bit over the top and yeah, ridiculous. he was he was no Donald Pleasance. Oh, I agree. It's oh, true. totally. But I mean, like again, I um I blocked that movie I out like of my Malcolm head. I like Malcolm McDowell a lot, and for I, me to I, say I, that is no, I agree. Almost hurtful. I'm I sorry. Agree. I, uh, <laughs> I I I blocked the rest of that movie out of the head. I just remember Malcolm McDowell. It was so bad. It was offensive. Mm. I remember. Yeah, I was like I left offended. I left like X Men Three angry. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm one of the few people that actually don't hate them. Yeah. Um, if they're not great, I don't hate there's them, a lot, just... there's a lot of remakes, yeah. uh, out there and you could do a lot worse. You know, we, we, we briefly talked about a, uh, um, remake that we say don't exist, you know, uh, black Christmas. Yeah. Um, Valentine remake wasn't bad. That was, I, I, I didn't like it. No? I had a lot of fun. It was decent enough. I, yeah. I, thought I it was saw fun. it. Do you guys see it in 3d? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was great. The pickaxe thing, like right there at the screen when you're in 3D, I thought that was great. I had a, I had fun. I wasn't scared, but and I had fun. Yeah. And another one that I absolutely loved in terms of the remakes, uh, and we will get to that in, in a future episode, probably episode three or four, but uh, is the Maniac remake. Oh, I was just going to say that. that oh, I, 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 oh I, yeah, I, that was I, great. I, I think <laughs> I like amazing. I haven't yeah. seen it. I think I like the Maniac remake better than I the know. original. Me I think too. I might it's too. it's Me incredible. Too. As soon as like the day came out on Blu-ray, I went out and bought it. It's oh. amazing. I didn't think it was going to be that good. I'm getting I... goosebumps talking about it. <laughs> I love that I, flick. Who's in it? I Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. <laughs> 
It's all like POV and yeah, shit. Yeah, the whole thing. Like, he, they take killer POV to the next fucking level. Yeah. Then you yeah. see it through, like, his perspective of, like, going crazy yeah, and like imagining only, things. And he and, actually yeah. shot the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he camera strapped. Him anyone who great. doesn't like Elijah Wood needs to fucking get, oh, yeah, their get head the shot. hell out of here, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, that guy's and like he's a true uh, fan of the art form. And yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And uh, better than that, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> yeah, but if you get the chance uh, to see Halloween in the theater, go and see it. Oh, go and oh see yeah, 100%. Yeah, sure. I, and I and while you were so talking treasured. about the sound, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. The, yeah. the sound cranked up for some of these films, seeing it in a theater with other people, but just hearing it so loud, it's it's something that you need to experience. After watching, uh, I felt the same way after watching The Thing, because you just, you just see so much more, and... Um, uh, and you hear so much more. Um, and I almost just want there to be a John Carpenter film fest, and I just want to see a bunch of his bunch of his movies now on the big screen to see how much what you missed. I believe you know there what I mean? is in the Midwest, if I'm not mistaken. I yeah. believe there's an annual sounds about right thing that they do where they screen his films, all of them. Yeah, if I'm not Sweet. mistaken. In any case. Let's wrap it up for now. We're going to come back and talk about all these films guaranteed in oh, future yeah. episodes. But I think it was nice to get our feet wet, get a little bit excited about some of these films. Um, Trevor, uh, I know we already did this, but would you mind reminding everyone how they can find you uh, on on social media, on the interweb, how they can uh, utilize your website and whatnot? Well, it's uh, terrorintoronto.com. You can find me on the Twitters and the Facebook and all that. But if you go to terrorintoronto.com, if uh, you're in the Toronto area and you're looking for something to do, I list every possible event. And usually at least six uh, days a week, there is something going on. And this month, especially there's like 10 things going on every day. So if you, if you, if you're into horror or uh, you want to uh, expand your knowledge, uh, check it out and uh, you can go have a theatrical uh, experience in many of the great independent cinemas in the city and, uh, and, and find it out without having to uh, track it down. I got it all for you there. Perfect. East. Mm. How can we find you on ye old interweb, and uh, what do you have going on with DWP? Because we got uh, this one's coming out. We we're taping it and immediately putting it out on Wednesday. So ah okay. Um, so you can find us on um, Lipson. Uh, you can just Google Junk with Power. Uh, we're on iTunes. Um, most recent episode we did, uh, we talked about um, male celebrities that we would sleep with, and I picked Ray Liotta because uh, hashtag treat me like Karen. So that's how I feel. Jesse liked that one. <laughs> I giggled. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what's going on there. You can find me at, at uh, Ant East. Um, on the Twitter? On the Twitter. Um, we have another episode coming out where I actually discuss um, going through my breakup, which is pretty cool. Bummer. Okay. Yeah. No, it was, it was very therapeutic and funny because it's with Tommy and Norm. So they're like calling me out. <clears throat> yep. And Sir Jesse, we've missed you around here. Thank you yeah. again, by the way. I never got it. to say thank you for helping us out with the uh, the sports tournament. Oh, yeah. Because like, that, that, <laughs> that was like a catastrophe. Yeah. Um, Nick yeah. got sick. Um, then Mitchell was going to come. He, was, he, he left a, uh, a bachelor party. 
and was uh, jumped on the 401 and broke down. No shit. <laughs> and and so we ended up having to like reach out to you and have you uh, tweet in your responses or uh, um, message in your responses, and you yeah. saved that show. Put, so put thank my you. votes in there. I would you yeah know, do do champion what I can, you know? <laughs> League of Their Own all the way through. Oh, League of Their Own was a great yeah. movie, man. Yeah, I'm really glad any given Sunday didn't win. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> That's a good film, though. It's so, easy. It's okay. So, how can we find you on Ye Old Interweb, sir? I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm out there. Um, well, we got a website, uh, hotwagonfilms.com. It's a group of guys I make uh, movies and stuff with. You can check that out. Uh, I don't really do the Twitter thing, but if you're on Facebook... Uh, Although I tweet to you and you never respond to me. Yeah, like I have a Twitter. <laughs> I haven't even logged in in the last year or so, but... Uh, it's Mr. Magoo Jesse. Mr. Magoo, yeah. At Mr. Magoo Jesse. Yeah. Tweet me and I'll get back to you one day. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at NotBrandonFleet. I guess I should do the regular spiel. So uh, remember, this is just the beginning of the conversation. We want to continue it on with you. So please reach out to us this week at Mermel Podcast on Twitter uh, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Movies for My Life. We'll have some photos up from the show. Um, you can also find us at MoviesForMyLife.com. Uh, and you can listen to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio. Uh, I noticed we're on Player FM. I like that site. Um, pretty much any podcatcher that's out there that you uh, that you dig, you can find us on. If we're not where you listen to podcasts, let us know and we'll get there. And, yeah, I think that's about it. So thanks for hanging out with us. the Eurodance version of Mermel would be great. Yeah, Autobahn. <laughs> you know, anything to do with film as like burning film stock or or a bag of popcorn or something. It's like, fuck, man, get a little creative. You gotta think of something that would ruin your life and that should be the image. Heroin. On the needle, it just it says, says movies. <laughs> <laughs> Mainliner right into the veins, man. There we go. There's 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 the logo for Facebook. There you go. Thanks, guys. Oh, royalties on that. Just put a picture of Tom Sizemore. Oh, <laughs> oh. Nice. Oh man, Trav, that was very good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs>